Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. Today, our senior pastor, Dr. Charles Redmond, will be preaching a very helpful message titled, How to Pray with Power. Well, I want you to open your Bible this morning, please, to the book of Acts. I want you to look with me in Acts chapter 12. I want us first to see the story, and then we'll get into what we want to learn from the story. As we're thinking this morning, about how to pray with power. That's the subject, how to pray with power. And what an example we have in Acts chapter number 12. The Bible says in verse 1, Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews... He proceeded further to seize Peter also. That was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intended to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now mark that verse. That's our text this morning, but let's read the story. And when Herod was about to bring Peter out that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by Peter, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to Peter, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. So he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him and did not know that what was done by the angel was real. Thought he was seeing a vision. Thought he was having a dream. When they were past the first and the second guard post, they came to the iron gate that led to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from Peter. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, Peter came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many had gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. She was a servant girl. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. Many of the ancient Jews, and you know some modern day Christians believe that each one of us has a guardian angel. Well, that's a beautiful thought, 
but there's nowhere in Scripture anything like that's taught. The Scripture teaches there are multitudes of angels, but nowhere does the Scripture say that you have an angel and I have an angel. In fact, ancient Jews even believe that your angel actually looked like you, and that comes into play in this story. Now, in verse 16, it says, Now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. They were astonished. That's what they'd been praying for. Now it's happened, and they were astonished. Now, God is sovereign. In fact, there's a verse you may want to jot down the text and mark it later in your Bible. But in Psalm 115, in verse 3, and the verse is going to be on the screen, it says, God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. That is the classic verse in Scripture on the sovereignty of God. God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. Now think with me just a moment. If God, who is sovereign, who is all-powerful, if he has already determined what is going to happen, then what is the point of prayer? Have you ever thought about that? God has already determined everything. God knows everything. He has power to make it happen. Well, that being true, then why would anyone pray? Is there a reason to pray? And the answer to that is, yes, there is. And here is the answer. Just as God has already determined what is going to happen, he has also determined the way, the means that will make what he has already determined happen. And one of those ways is prayer. And we're going to see that in our scripture in a wonderful, wonderful way this morning. A good example of that, let me just read it to you. You might want to jot it down, but in the book of James in chapter number five, the Bible says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And then the Bible illustrates that. The Bible says Elijah was human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when Elijah prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And so what do we see? We see that one of the ways that God goes about bringing what he's already determined is prayer. And this to me excites me because this is where all of us can fit in. The, the power of prayer. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. Now, if you have your bulletin, you just may want to begin to kind of fill in some blanks. First of all, we need to understand prayer that has power is offered to God. And if you look back in verse number five, again, it's so very clear I'm reading here in the New King James, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered. And then it says, to God. Some of the other translations say unto God. Some of the newer translations, such as the New Living Translation, which I love, it doesn't mention that. It implies that. But you might say, well, is not all prayer offered to God? And I think the honest answer to that is no, it's not. I fear sometimes all of us have prayers that we pray that are really not offered to God. And, and you, might, you say, well, well, how can that be? Because 
if you stop and think about it, many times uh, our, our praying is more focused on what our needs are and things we want. We just, we just launch into praying about things. And that's, that's really where our, our prayer is. And we, we think about, you know, this and that and yonder, and your mind can go from this point to that point. And, and the real focus is really not God. And to me, this is a thought about prayer that has is, is been so very helpful to me, is that when we pray, before we ever utter a word, there needs to be an awareness that we are about to speak to God. It's an overwhelming thought. We need to have the realization in our mind that even before we utter a word, that, that it's, God is literally going to actually bend down and hear what we are going to say. And before we get in that litany of list of God, you know, would you do this? And God, I need this. And God, I'm asking you this. And God, I want that. Before any of that, for prayer to have power, there has to be the realization that, that we are about to commune with the God that created the heavens and the earth. He must be the focus before we launch into all these other things. And if it is not that way, then, then what happens is, is we're just almost praying in the flesh. It's like we're almost telling God what to do. So I just want to encourage you in your praying. You know, prayer is a very personal thing, but yet we want our prayers to, to make a difference. We want our prayers to be used as a means to bring about what God has already determined. God knows what we need. God knows what we want. And we need to share with God our heart and be honest with God. But before we do any of that, just a little period, maybe brief, maybe longer, before we say, now, God, would you do da 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 just realize we're in the presence of God. We, we are blessed to have the privilege to have an audience with God and let God be our focus first before all these other things that we're going to speak to God about. So that is a very helpful thing to me. Prayer that has power is offered to God. But not only that, the prayer that has power is, is constant prayer. It is constant prayer. If you look again in our text in verse 5, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer. If your Bible underliner, those two words, constant prayer. Now, the different translations do that in various ways. I looked at some of them. The King James, New King James Version says constant prayer. Uh, the New Living Translation says uh, the church that prayed earnestly. Uh, the ESV a very good translation says earnest prayer. The American Standard Version, uh, uh, it has without ceasing, all these words stabbing it, trying to do something with a Greek word to put it into English. I think really the best English word that we have to convey the idea of what we have, however it's translated in your Bible, would be the word intensely. Now think about that a moment, intensely. Not, not casual, not flippant, but just there be an intensity about our prayer, such as we saw in the life of Jesus in the garden when he prayed. 
you, you saw the, we read about the intensity of his prayer. And then, the, you know, how do, we, how do we obtain this intensity in our prayer? We look at, here these, here these believers are all gathered together, and there's constant prayer. There's this intense prayer. I mean, there's a real heart in this prayer. How do you do this? Well, it's not something we work up ourselves. You can't just say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm going I'm to work me up some intensity and some real earnestness in my prayer. No, I think, jot this verse down, Romans 8, 26, I think as much as any other verse in the Bible answers that question. How do we pray with this kind of prayer? It says the Spirit, the Spirit of God offers prayers to the heavenly Father according to the will of God. I'm saying this this morning. As you pray, be aware that you have the advantage because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you that the Holy Spirit can direct you and move you into there be an intensity, uh, an earnestness in your prayer. One way he will do it is you'll begin as you pray to Bible verses that you've learned through the years and heard through the years. It's amazing how they'll just come, come to your mind. I was listening to John on the radio this morning, and he made a statement at the very end of his sermon. He said, you know, when I began preaching, one of the first verses I memorized in my preaching, and he quoted a verse out of Isaiah. It, it's amazing how in your preaching and in your praying, that the Holy Spirit will just, will just have a verse that just seems to appear out of nowhere. Well, it's not out of nowhere. <laughs> it's, it's from God, from His Word. And then there'll be other times as you're praying, the Holy Spirit, we'll, we'll be praying about something, and it's, it's almost like we're, we're kind of giving God instructions what to do. That's praying in the flesh. What we want to do is pray in the Spirit. Not talking about some unknown prayer language, but as we pray, realize that the Holy Spirit of God, even if we pray wrong according to Acts 8.26, or if we don't know what to pray, oftentimes I don't know what to pray. I really don't. But I pray the best I know how, knowing, based on Romans 8.26, that the Holy Spirit is going to take my feeble human prayer <laughs> And if it's not as it should be, he's going to offer to God according to the will of God. It helps me immensely. So in your prayer, and be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is illuminating Scripture in your mind or speaking to your heart to steer you back to where you need to be in your praying. It is a blessed, it is a wonderful thing. Else, you'll just be praying in the flesh. And there's no power whatsoever to praying in the flesh. Now, this whole idea about earnestness in prayer. You see, when we don't have earnestness in prayer, what it actually does, it short circuits the power in our praying. When, when, we, when we're not praying with all of our heart, I mean, we really put our heart into our praying. I've said before, prayer is hard work. Prayer is not just work. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is hard work. Now, if prayer is just kind of a casual part of your life, it's not hard work. But if you, if you get really serious about prayer, and it's not the matter of how long you pray, I think it's more important how often we pray. Prayers throughout the day, many times it'll just be a little sentence prayer. But 
in our heart, this is what we're really needing God to give us direction. And God will do that in a wonderful, wonderful way. You know, if we don't put our heart in our prayers, we have little reason to believe God is going to put much heart into answering our prayers. When God sees your heart is earnest in your praying, it just, there's a power that's going to come from that. God is going to use your prayers to accomplish what he's already predetermined in a wonderful, wonderful way. Well, a third thing about prayer, and this is, this is, oh, this is so dear to me, <laughs> the prayer that has power is united prayer. The prayer that has power is united prayer. If you look back in verse 5 again, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him, watch this, by the church, by the church. Well, there's power in individual prayer, no question about that. But there's multiplied power when they're, the believers are praying. You, they're united in prayer. And that's what we see in this verse. Now, you, you don't have to be with other believers to pray. We pray many times just individual prayers and, and thank the Lord for those. And there's power in those if we're praying in the Spirit as God directs and praying with all of our heart. But all oh, the, 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 it's just like the multiplication of prayers. Like think about this morning in our room here. If all of us as believers are united in praying for some issue. Well, just think of the prayers heaven is hearing as we pray. God says, call unto me and I'll answer thee, show you great mighty things that you do not know anything at all about. The power of, of united prayer. We as believers need to understand there is power in united prayer. Could I have an amen to that? There's power in united prayer. All of us can pray. Every one of you, all of us can pray. And what a difference it makes. And do I love that verse? The earnest prayer of a righteous person. I hear that? Of a righteous person has great power and produces results. Oh, a righteous person. Now hear me on this. Because you may say, you know what? I just don't see much happen when I pray. Well, righteousness involves two things. First of all, it involves positional righteousness. That means you have to be made right with God by what Jesus Christ did. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the what? righteousness of God in him. That's positional righteousness. I've put my faith and trust in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and in so doing, repenting of my sins, I've been made right with God positionally. So now this prayer promise in James, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces results. That is true if the person is in positional righteousness. You say, well, I am, but I don't see much power in my prayers. Well, there's practical righteousness. You can be positionally right, but you can be practically not right. 
If you're not living your life by the boundaries of God's Word, now you can twist it any way you want to twist it. You can say, well, this, well, that, it doesn't mean it. Listen, folks, God's Word means what God's Word says. Amen? So if you're living within the boundaries, not perfect life, none of us will, but you're not just blatantly disobeying what God says in His Word, you are living with practical righteousness and There'll be power in your praying. But I'm saying to you, if you're not living your life in practical righteousness, you can pray till you drop. And not much will ever happen from your prayers because you're praying in the flesh, not in the spirit. So this morning, I want you to bow first. Those of us that are Christians, we, we need to examine ourselves this morning and just say, God, God, help me see clearly if I'm living my life in practical righteousness, am I living my life diligently trying to obey what the Holy Spirit has inspired in this book that's your word for us, for living life? God, if there's any area of my life where I'm being disobedient, Right now, God, I'm asking you to forgive me of that. I repent of that. I turn from that. And God, I want to live my life in practical righteousness. I want, God, my prayers to be one of the means by which you accomplish what you've already determined is your will. God's people praying that. God's people praying that. Now, while God's people are praying that, some this morning would say, you know, this, this thing about positional righteousness, you, the only way you can be made right with God is by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That verse, God made him who knew no sin to be your sin and mine so that you and I can become righteous in him, not in us. Not in baptism, not in the Lord's Supper, not in anything or anybody but Jesus. This morning, if you say, you know, I'm not sure about my position of righteousness, but I want to be. Here's the good news for you. You can be, and the real great news is you can be this morning. If today you would say, I want to know for sure that I have positional righteousness. I've been made right with God because I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Cleanse me. Save me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Now help me to live my Christian life in practical righteousness. Some who say this morning, I've prayed prayers kind of like that, but I'm just not sure about my salvation. I'm really not 100% sure. If I died this afternoon, I'd go to heaven. I think I would. Hear me. The Bible says you can know. You can know. John said, these things I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. So much we don't know, but here's something we can know, and it's all that matters when we die. 
<laughs> we just leave these bodies and go be with God forever. If you say, I want to know that, I want to have that assurance, just say, Lord Jesus, right now, I settle my salvation. I'm through wondering. I'm through doubting. I'm through waffling on this. I'm going to nail this down this morning, God. I settle my salvation in you today. I'm trusting Jesus. Amen. For those of you who have prayed to trust Jesus as your Savior today, we are so very happy for you. Please let us know about your new life in Christ by sending us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org or by giving us a call at 1-800-337-0157. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.